pousser le bouton. What does that even mean? Oh, mate, don't you speak any French. It sounds obscene. It probably is. It's my approximation of push the button in French. Oh. You cloth-eared... <laughs> Stop. Philistine. You know what? We've made some new merchandise chatters. Hi, chatters. Hello. Um, Gwen, our friend. Wait, when you made, say we, we what mean, you really mean, mean is that we've had nothing to do with it. Gwen's done it in conjunction with a like a brain's trust of chatters. Like and what, you, what, you and I have been presented with the final design, which is hilarious. And <laughs> in that case, in that sense, this has been a creative enterprise that is absolutely perfect in the sense that I enjoyed consuming it but had nothing to do with its construction. <laughs> what it is is a tea towel covered in insults that we've thrown at each other during the course of various podcasts. Uh, yes. And it was interesting to note that when we actually wrote them down, about 80% of them are directed from you towards me. That's because mine are funnier. <laughs> no, also just sort it's of... because you're a monster. <laughs> I just need to lift my insult game. Although there were a few insults that I directed at you that I was quite proud of. <laughs> Although out about, of context, they seem just rather cruel. Like that line about, do you know, I suspect that you would not be a generous lover. <laughs> I was happy with that. And I also was happy with, you know, love as difficult as it is to believe, there'd be people who would meet you in real life who'd be quite disappointed. Oh, was that you? <laughs> I, I thought that you. was me to I you. I think I said it I, I quietly nodded and thought, you still got it, crap, when I read that. I thought that was me insulting you. There you go. Thanks. I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah. Now, okay. uh, I'll take it as confusing. Interestingly, when we've made our list of stuff that we've consumed oh, since we last saw each it other, it's mm. a lovely list. And uh, for two people who've claimed to have gone off films, we've <laughs> okay. seen about no, no, six I've, films between us. I've resiled from my hating of films. I'm mm. back on board, baby. Okay. I'm a, I like films again. Can, we... I, can I just excuse my voice and what will be an almost inevitable very hacking cough that will turn up. I lost my voice last week for two sweet days and I gotta say I did feel like absolute shit so that wasn't much fun and I did I, you know I was sort of I stayed in bed one of those days which is just like oh my god the weirdest thing I don't think I've done that for I don't know how long um, and I thought god I'll get so much work done but actually I just felt so yeah. shocking like I didn't really. <laughs> That just disturbing. Like, I love how you're sick and you go, great, I'm going to get so much work done yeah, now that I'm sick. that's because if you're sick, like you can still get work done. Just It means that all of the things that are part of your working day that are not productive just get, you know, because you're just like, I'm sorry, I can't have this non-essential conversation because i got no voice. Um, Off you, Pop. Chatters who are listening who are admirers of Annabelle Crabb, I would urge you <laughs> to not – Follow her as a role model. If you're sick, please just stay in bed and don't view it as an opportunity to do work. It's not an opportunity to do work. It was just a delight not to have to talk to anyone. It was really great. I'm like, I got a few texts like, oh, can you come on the radio and talk about it? No, no, I really, I really just can't. And then I just, I cancelled meetings like a bastard. It was so good. Fantastic. That sounds really good. It was awesome. Anyway. I was sort of hoping it'd still be gone by today, actually, because then I could have just banged on about my movies. Yeah, I've got to say, your response was, I think, (laughs) Sub-supportive. <laughs> like, oh, I can't speak. And you're out. oh, I'll be around shortly to dominate the conversation. <laughs> that was payback for you dissing my delicious hot cross bun pudding that I oh. talked about in the last podcast, which I actually took to my friend Melanie's last night. And unfortunately, I mean, it was delicious, of course. Um, but <laughs> when I texted Mel to say, oh, I'll bring a salad and I'll bring, you know, chocolate chocolate cherry hot crust bun bread and butter pudding. Mel's like, um, look, I listened to your last podcast with Annabelle Crabb and I heard what she said about it and I'm a little bit insulted that you now think this substandard dessert can just 
just be sort of hived <laughs> off onto me. I'm like, I'm sure it'll be delicious, Sal. It's just a bit five minutes ago, don't you think? <laughs> I'm a bit disturbed about being in the priest hole with you while you've got this lurgy. Oh, look, you know, this thing travels. This will climb up your trouser leg, this, uh, this virus, so you're going down. As Clive James once said of somebody with extraordinarily oh. bad breath, I could feel it reaching out. And what, what was it? By this stage, his, his breath was undoing my tie. <laughs> If I had a tie, maybe that would oh, be happening to me right yeah. now. Now, films, can we start with The Shape of Water? We can start with The Shape best, of Water. Best Oscar, best film Oscar. I saw it on Friday night. I We've not discussed it at all. We have not. I'd be very keen. I'm not even giving anything away with my eyes as to what I thought of it. I want to hear as what I you think of it. As I was watching it, I thought... I think Annabelle Crabb would really like this, but I can't quite put my finger on why I thought that, but I just had this sneaking feeling that you would have really loved it. You are correct. (laughs) (laughs) And that means that you probably disliked it. I I didn't dislike (laughs) it. I didn't love it. But you you talk first about why you liked it. Okay. Um, So I walked into that film prepared not to like it because I do not love sort of magic realism. I don't love fantasy as a genre, as you know, in writing or in film. And I was a bit like, oh, this is going to be a bit all European and kind of uh, (laughs) frou-frou. But I loved it. I really loved. I like. I loved the story. It it did not tick any boxes that I normally like. But I really enjoyed it, and I thought it was incredibly original. It was beautifully executed, and I thought the performances were absolutely stunning. The principal character, whose name of course I don't recall, not the guy in the fish suit, the other one, <laughs> um, it was uh, fabulous. I thought the supporting actor, whose name also I can't remember. Sorry, everybody. Um, was uh, terrific as well. I thought it was funny. Um, I thought that awesome um, woman who was in um, – um, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not very – I'm not fielding any <laughs> actual names. I'd never seen names. her before, so I don't know what she was – All right, but she was in Hidden Figures. Oh, the okay. supervisor, like, who who helps her out at the end, like oh, this sort of okay. gruff supervising woman. Is Hidden Figures the girls, girls um, thing? Hidden Figures is that unbelievably fabulous movie about um, black women working for NASA. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry, mathematicians, course, yeah. Right. yeah, in the 60s. And it's just, oh, my gosh, that's such a great oh, film. Oh, Viola Davies. Yes, that's back. exactly yeah. who I mean. Sorry, Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, okay. Look, <laughs> mummy's very tired, okay? Um, so um, just- I love her. She's such a great actor and um, I loved her in Hidden Figures and I loved her in this film too. I thought she was like a real like standout Can the we film. just back up probably and we should give a little plot synopsis or just yes. a sort of overview to people who haven't seen it because I actually went into it knowing – Absolutely nothing about yeah. it. I hadn't seen a promo, hadn't seen a preview. I just oh, okay. So you would have been like, wow. Well, yeah. yeah, okay. So basically the premise is uh, there's a sort of fish man who may be a god who's been captured in a river in South America. He's being held in a <laughs> There you go. Of, there's that hiking cough. He's been held in a military slash scientific installation uh, in the US. It's the 1960s. Uh, a woman who works there as a cleaner sort of takes a liking to him and then she sees what's going on with him, you know, the experimentation and they're going to kill him and so she busts him out of there and she falls in love with him. So that's the basic. She is also, for unclear reasons, mute and mm-hmm. she um, she converses using sign language and she teaches him sign language by feeding him boiled eggs at strategic instances. Later... Well, no, they, I'm the plot spoiler, so I'm not allowed to say. I get trouble, okay. trouble for this um, okay. by your neighbours on your street. <laughs> and so I will not say anything that happens next. It is a – it's kind of in that kind of fantasy – you know, it, it's 
it's obviously highly far-fetched, right? Yes. But it's beautifully styled uh, for the era. Um, the villain, another actor whose name I can't remember, but he was in that fabulous Atlantic City gambling series. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> just, somebody <laughs> just come and give me a that. tap on the head with a blunt <laughs> object. Like it would be the kindest thing at this I didn't stage. watch that one, so I don't know what you're talking about. Um, oh, God. Some, someone out there will be yelling, you know, it's that um, Steve Buscemi. Um, yeah, I know the one you mean. Series. Is it called, was it just called oh, Atlantic City or uh, something? No, it's called uh, oh, God's sake. Um, Annabelle. Pick the, it up. Also, just with that, look, this I, I'm going to call spoiler alert, although this has been oh, so thoroughly. Oh, well, okay, just no, as this, long as it's this, very clear that this is your fault. Okay. This has been so thoroughly discussed, it's barely a spoiler alert. But in the um, chat 10 group, somebody described this film. They summed up the plot as, look, it's basically a free willy. If it's, Sorry, the plot is basically free willy if you replace the little boy with a woman and she sleeps with the whale. <laughs> And then someone else said it's actually called the sort of, you know, substitute title is Grinding Nemo. Oh, <laughs> that is very funny. Okay, now, so I also thought it was well executed. I thought the look of it was, I agree that I thought yep. the look of it was really fantastic. Boardwalk and Empire is the name of that. Boardwalk series Empire, that I'm to think of, of guys. Of Sorry. Yeah, okay. I... Firing on one cylinder. I had a couple of issues with it. I, like you, don't like magic realism and thought maybe I wouldn't like it. I certainly liked it more than I thought I would. Um, There was one scene that for me, there were moments that were quite affecting. There was only one scene that I found truly affecting, which was when she was trying to get her neighbour to help her bust the Mm seaman out of Mm -hmm. there and she said, "I this is the only person I've ever met who doesn't see the absence of what I don't yeah. have and can't do. This person just sees mm, me for who I am. That's a beautiful scene. Yeah, it was really great. Um, but there were two issues for me. One was completely unrelated to the film itself, but at the cinema where I saw it before the film started, they played a preview for Wes Anderson's upcoming film. Right. I think – I don't love every Wes Anderson film, but I think that I could pretty much watch them with the volume down because I think right. the look of them is just yeah. so unbelievable. Yeah. And um, – so I had Wes Anderson in my head and oh, I don't okay. think that's the look never, of, that's it's not never good. easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I d- didn't think the look of this film, it was sort of like in the Wes <clears throat> Anderson ballpark. Where so they it had wasn't this. symmetrical enough for you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, they were going for like a really sort of unique and distinctive look and they did that well, but they didn't do it to Wes Anderson standards. So that was oh, no. one issue. Well, that, I mean, there should be a, like a, there should be just a, a warning for cinemas not to but then the, my to, other problem with now it. Now I just really want to see the new Wes Anderson film. Thanks, <laughs> totally. Sales. Hey, have you ever seen that website? Um, Miranda Murphy showed it to me once and it's so good, which is, or like a, some sort of meme thing, which is the symmetry in Wes Anderson films. It's fantastic, yeah. Right. Is that a website or is it like. I can't remember. It's probably BuzzFeed or somebody's done it. My other problem with it was they did a similar thing to themselves, actually, is what the cinema did playing the preview, which is they were clearly going for a film that was meant to be. Magical, like, and yeah. I don't mean magical, like you know, the fact that dude was a sea guy that she has sex with. I mean magical, like they were looking for moments of like connection yeah. and things that sort of elevated into like you know something that speaks to your deepest humanity yeah. or whatever. And and I like going to the cinema and having moments where I feel like, wow, that just transported me. That was magical. It's one of the reasons I like musicals because I think you look at something like say yeah. Sid Charisse in Singing in the Rain do that 45 second bit where she shows up and it's just everybody can go make a cup of tea now because she's going to talk about musicals for <laughs> 10 minutes no really <laughs> if you need to go to the toilet don't be hit pause <laughs> you just go wow that was just you know 
Or, or when, you know, in, in whichever Star Wars it is where he says, you know, Luke, I am your father. Like, it's magical. Like, it whichever just, it's Star transporting. Wars it it's incredible. <laughs> Going to throw in a question about cricket in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's transporting. This film was obviously trying to go for that. And they even, they were a little clunky in that because they referenced that her neighbour was often watching films at home on his TV and he was watching yeah. magical moments from yeah. historic films. So, for example, that really famous scene where Bojangles is dancing up the stairs and then yep. Shirley, he meets Shirley Temple at the bottom and they dance up together. That is what I would call a moment of cinema, genuine cinema magic. This film I didn't think ever reached that sort of standard huh. of magic but they, and I thought they just kept ramming it home to me by playing mm. moments of genuine cinema magic to remind me that they weren't quite meeting that standard. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so it's like this movie for you is like you're on a date with someone and like a hundred better looking guys walk past. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> that is exactly what it was like. But I didn't, I didn't hate it. I mean, I found it sort of just a bit, it's put me off boiled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. No, that's. Don't you Pop think? that in your show there notes. There's a certain grossness to the boiled egg sort of thing. That but was a boiled egg. egg is gross if you think about it. A like boiled it, egg is gross. You just you do not want to think about a boiled I egg. I completely agree. I love really them. Really any form of egg. Yeah. But in particular it just seemed – I just kept thinking of like sea monster egg farts or something. It was just Yeah, disgusting. I just don't think that the egg farts would have been the most unusual element of that sexual pairing. Just <laughs> – Anyway, so that was um, that was uh, it was interesting. Um, I then the next day saw Peter Rabbit. <laughs> I I'm really sorry. I'm just you're going to have to give me a second to recalibrate. <laughs> Which even um, though it was it was you know rabbits running around with no pants and and jackets on, it was sort of more believable than The Shape of Water. <laughs> just out of interest, what trailer did they show before? Like was it like Last Tango in Paris or something? Like I mean, that was something genuinely confusing they to like, really. You know, the rabbits were watching Watership Down. Yeah. It just made me think they didn't reach the magic of a proper rabbit film. I could. There was a promo beforehand for who's. What's that from about Roger Rabbit? Who's framed Roger Rabbit? I was like, you know, if you're going to do a rabbit film, do it properly. <laughs> no, it was complete. It was it was lovely actually, and it was. Yes. Um, I actually went to Peter Rabbit, fully intending to have a sleep while yeah. the children watched okay. it, and I stayed awake for the whole thing. Oh, three stars! Okay. <laughs> Kept <laughs> me awake. <laughs> sure, I've got a bunch of flowers here somewhere for you. Um, top parenting sales um, yes. remain wrong. conscious whilst in charge of hundreds of children. And yeah, and my friend who allowed their son to come with me, I, I was awake the whole time. I, I never intended to go to sleep. I was and watching Eddie the entire time. Only a tiny bit drunk. <laughs> Hi, Lisa. I was watching Eddie the entire time. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, right. Okay. I, can I Film. say um, one thing that I think does I mean you've you've uh, very aptly pointed out that your enjoyment of a film can be affected by the trailer you see beforehand yes. by the movies that characters are watching in the movie <laughs> and also by whether or not a boiled egg is involved like fair enough but i can say that when i saw this film and i'm sure that this would contribute to my the, enjoyment the of it yeah, yeah i saw it because um my friend Jen gave um, Jeremy tickets to the outdoor cinema mm-hmm. um, in the park. Um, and so we went along there and settled ourselves down in a very nice beanbag and watched it under the stars. Oh, okay. And then halfway through the film, this is so weird, it made me think, I'm just not ever outside enough. This must happen all the time. Um, I sort of saw movement in the sky and glanced up and saw the most – incredible shooting star like it was just it went 
flaming over about a quarter of the sky mm. and then it kind of like broke up into three bits and the biggest chunk sort of went on further. It was like just the most amazing uh, thing I'd ever seen in the sky ever. And I just sort of looked at it and it was halfway through this movie that I was really enjoying and it was a really perfect moment. Mm. And I just thought how weird that I would be, you know, in a park lying on a beanbag when this event happens and I happen to be looking at the sky because I'm looking up at this screen. So that, so you I'm were, sure that there was that a bit of a whimsy sort of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, you know, maybe that wouldn't have worked if I was seeing another film. Um, I'd be like, ah, oh, too much, Wes Anderson. <laughs> like, imagine sort of, no, 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 it needs to be right in the centre of the sky. Um, anyway, I found that um, thing, by the way, it's on Open Culture um, and it's called The Perfect Symmetry of Wes Anderson's Movies and Excellent. people just send in. Now, you told me, and I really am very keen to hear about it because I've never seen about it, when I was going to say Albert Einstein died the other week. I mean Stephen Hawking. Jim, oh having God. a big lot Another of problems, smart guy. Which yeah. is, mm. uh, The Theory of Everything I never saw. I saw it. Jeremy and I watched it the other night because Stephen Hawking died and we thought, oh, damn it, I still haven't seen that film. And, look, I know that I'm like really late to this party, but <laughs> Eddie Redmayne's performance is Absolutely I love Eddie Redmayne. Stunning, He's right? so beautiful. He is so handsome yeah. and so kooky. And uh, anyway, he, he – got an Oscar, didn't he? I yes, he did. Yeah. So th- when yeah. I say that, you know, for me to observe that he was quite good in this role is not exactly original, I mean that he won an Oscar for it. Is and- it about Stephen Hawking's entire life or no. just his young years? So it's about – it starts off when he's at university and he's um, – everyone's just discovering he's a complete freaking genius and he meets – um, a girl called Jane who studies languages and she falls in love with him and he falls in love with her and then two seconds later he is diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease and he's already sort of falling over a bit and a bit like so he, he he's diagnosed because he's running along and he falls over in the quadrangle and gives himself a massive whack on the head and he goes through all these tests and basically there's this like is the worst bedside manner ever. There's this scene where this doctor just says, oh, look, yeah, anyway, so – um." yeah, you've got this disease. It's, uh, look, there's nothing we can do for you. I'm sorry. It's very, very rapidly progressive. So um, you've probably got about two years to live. So anyway, I'll leave you with that. And so he's a bit like, oh, God. And then he pushes Jane away and then she comes back in and says, listen, you know, let's just, I love you. Let's enjoy whatever we can of each other's company, however much time is left. And, of course, you know, um, they have children and things you know, his physical condition deteriorates, but he still manages to just through sheer force of, I think, indefatigability, just still work, still read, still research, still write to the point where he's having to communicate through, um, you know, a, a board, a letter board. And, yeah, far out. Like, you know, I would lie down in a ditch well in advance of, you know. There was that, a I lot think. of – um. I thought people summed up in some of the obits really well, um, including the New York Times had a really perfectly formed tweet that I don't want to ruin by trying to paraphrase now, but about the combination of, yes, this guy was a scientific genius, but he also taught us something about just persevering through extraordinary hardship and just making the most of what your actual circumstances are. It's an interesting film too because it really it only deals with um, his first marriage and, of course, and, and what happens over the course of the film is that they kind of eventually scratch together the money or the resources to have a, a nurse, and the nurse is actually his second wife. So 
Um, there's a bit of how's your father going on there. Um, and he's clearly like he's a, a, an imperfect person, you mm. know. And you get this sort of sense of how incredibly difficult it was for his first wife, Jane, who has since said that she, you know, felt suicidal at times. Like, I mean, she was raising three children by herself and physically getting her husband, who by this stage is, you know, very, very dependent around the place. And um, so – and at that time too, I mean, you just don't have all of the equipment or, mm. um, you know, like once he um, had um, his tracheotomy and then um, started using this artificial voice, um, obviously his communication um, was, you know, aided by that technology. But, wow, it was obviously incredibly difficult. Anyway, the, the performance, Eddie Redmayne's performance is extraordinary because he performs – a physical deterioration, which is just oh. so difficult to do, right? Because, yeah. you know, as you – I mean, physically Stephen Hawking's body shrinks and kind of curls over to the side and Eddie Redmayne kind of keeps up with this in a way that never, ever looks, oh, my God, you know, like this is a make water and makeup sort of acting right. disaster. It's just incredibly – convincing. I saw a film with Eddie Redmayne in it a few years ago, which I thought was just a perfect little film called My Week with Marilyn. Oh, Did you okay. ever see that? No, I didn't. Oh, God. It was just beautiful. So he, Marilyn Monroe's shooting is very famous and she's shooting, I forget which film, let's just say for argument's sake, some like it hot, but yeah. I don't know what it is. And he is hired as a, I think he's a junior He's a photographer, he's some junior person on the set right, or something. Okay. Anyway, he ends up spending quite a bit of time with her just over the course of oh, yeah. one week. And it's just it's absolutely lovely. It's just one like, week. That's enough time to marry and divorce Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Anyway, he's just I find him just so he's very charming and charming mm. and yeah, I just absolutely love him. And he's got this sort of innocence about him that worked particularly well in My Week with Marilyn that, mm. that um, really suited. I think it worked with Hawking too because, like, if everything that you read about Hawking is that he had this kind of quiet, mischievous sense of humour. Um, and I think that Redmayne kind of picked that up incredibly well. Like, he's kind of just a bit twinkly. While we're talking about yeah. um, people who persevere through incredible um, adversity, uh, just to take us off films for a second – Cynthia Bannum has a new book out called oh, A Certain yeah. Light. Um, she is a woman who uh, was a reporter at the Sydney Morning Herald, national security correspondent, yep. and she was on a plane crash in Indonesia in which a number of people died. She survived with absolutely horrific injuries. When she woke up in hospital, both her legs had been amputated, um, covered in burns, just had the most extraordinary um, transformation of her life and and um, the recovery has been, you know, incredibly arduous. Um, so she's written a book about her experience and what happened to her and they they about Sydney her Herald. family as well, like her, yeah. her Italian ancestors. Yeah. It's- and she's she's always been, I think, a great writer and an excellent journalist, very sort of meticulous in her work, I've always found. Um, and the Sydney Morning Herald wrote a profile of her the other week and talked a bit about the book and talked a bit about her life now. And it was, it was just really, um, truly incredible to think about just how people pick themselves up after things like that and just manage to keep going and manage to see 
what okay, what can I do, not what can I not do anymore? Yeah. And I'm sure you have plenty of moments of thinking about what you can't do anymore. But over time, you know, she makes the point that you if you'd said to me I could be happy after this happened to me, I mean I'd never believe it. And now I'm often I'm very happy. Yeah. You know, so it was really, really something else. Um Yeah, I can't wait to read that book. She is um she's a great writer and her um character is extraordinary. Um, mm. And also her husband, Michael Harvey, who was a journalist in the press gallery who basically gave up his career to be her full-time carer. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'd, I'd forgotten but actually at the time as well when she'd had this accident, he was embroiled in a court case about yeah. where, with another journalist, yeah. Jared McManus, I think it was, yes. who wouldn't, yeah, they wouldn't reveal their facing sources. Prison facing prison over contempt yeah. of court. Yeah. Oh, my God, talk about your life just bloody falling sure. apart. Sure, but I think though. like just, I mean, I haven't read the book um, yet. But one thing that I really notice from both of them just is, I don't know, You people say, oh, you know, I, this disaster that happened to me changed my life for the better in some ways. I think um, what is remarkable about both of them is their capacity to really understand what's important and to jump Head first into that, you know, to, and I think it would be easy to get overwhelmed in these sorts of circumstances. But what you learn about people that you know and their capacity to just embrace the love in their lives and, um, the, possibility in their lives is quite staggering. Those two are really, really extraordinary. I don't want to talk about it now, but I am looking forward to at some point being able to talk openly about my book that I've been working on for quite a while, which will be out later this year, which goes to some of these themes that we're talking about now. But um, we're going to run out of time soon, so I just want to rattle through the other films that we saw. So what else Uh, have you um, seen? So I was on a plane and I saw this absolutely gorgeous film that I had never heard of before and I just did that thing where I'm like, oh, I'm on a plane, I've got an hour and a half where I kind of don't urgently have to be doing anything. So I just went through the flight, you know, list and picked out this film called Patty Cakes. Mm -hmm. It's an American film. It got sort of quite a warm reception at the Sundance Film Festival, I think. Anyway, it's about this um, girl called Patricia. Um, She lives in uh, New Jersey, she's poor, she lives with her alcoholic mum who's a, a bit embarrassing and a bit sort of hopeless and she wants to be a rapper and she's kind of like this sort of overweight, frizzy-haired white girl. Her best <laughs> friend is called Jerry and he's um, played by an actor who I didn't know either called Sudurth Dananje. I'm probably murdering that pronunciation. Anyway, and he works in a chemist shop and he is going to be this sort of like fabulous rapper as well. And um, anyway, the story is just about their attempts to, you know, cut a record and she's relentlessly bullied by the kind of um, cool street rapping crowd in her neighbourhood, including this guy she's got a bit of a crush on who's just – there's the the most – full-on scene in this film is where like they've been to some open night mic night kind of thing and they um this cool rap dude and his people are all hanging around in the street doing a bit of like 
open street rapping. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just, could I sound like more of a nana trying to describe this film? Do put up with it, please. Um, and he, um, she turns up and sort of shyly hovers, hovers around and he looks at her and he unleashes this rhyme of such viciousness against her saying basically you're a fat bitch and oh. I wouldn't touch you if you blah, blah, blah. And it's so full on. And then she is just reeling and then she kind of gathers herself and she gives it straight back to him. It's this kind of great moment in the scene. But it's just like the music is great. It's completely charming. It is a full kind of underdog yarn. And um, But this, this woman who plays the title role is just wonderful. It's mm. it's actually just really uplifting and um, so, it's a great little film. Because when you started describing it, I thought it was a comedy, but it's a drama. It's, it's funny. Right. Um yeah, but it's 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 more of a, you know, it's it's a bit of a buddy movie, it's a bit of a underdog um feel good kind of um against the odds um thing. I watched on Netflix a documentary about Joan Didion, the American writer, oh, right. called The Centre Will Not Hold. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I went into it with low expectations because it was made by her nephew. And so right. I thought, oh, it's going to be Joan thinking, Joan's nephew will have badgered her and gone, Auntie Joan, Auntie Joan, I really okay, want to make Nathan, a documentary all right. about you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, you know. Um, no, it was really great. It was very, very good. Um, and this is for your mum getting me out of rehab. Nathan, okay, <laughs> nothing more. Um, she's such a Joan Didion's very sort of compelling to watch, mm. which is interesting for a writer because writers often, you know, can be not so comfortable as speakers. Um, and she, I think, isn't particularly comfortable as a speaker. But she's got the she's she's one of the skinniest people I've ever seen and her hands like are like they're almost separate to her body. They just dance around like birds the whole time while she's talking. It's quite compelling. But she just, the way they've talked about the sort of era when she and her husband, um, John Gregory Dunn, I think his name is, um, sort of became prominent and the sort of work she was doing and they they have just told it in such an interesting and evocative way and the, the use of the archive and photos and all of that sort of stuff I found Really interesting. It doesn't delve much into her process as a writer, but the bit that really sticks with me was they talk about this um, piece that she wrote about LSD and drug culture and stuff Mm -hmm. in San Francisco and there's a scene in it that's very famous where she goes into a house and a child has taken LSD, like a nine or ten-year-old who's having a trip. And the nephew who's interviewing her says – God, what did you think about that when you walked into a room and saw a child tripping on LSD? And you sort of, as a viewer, you expect the socially acceptable answer, which is, oh, God, it broke my heart and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was appalled. I thought, what sort of people are these? She said what every journalist actually would think, which was, this is absolute gold. <laughs> she And she just said it that bluntly. She just said, I thought, wow, I've stumbled on gold. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry, kid. You have another one. Yeah. It was, wow. It was amazing to see somebody be so truthful because for the sort of work that she did that was absolute gold anyway it was um it was a very did it, compelling did it deal um, did it look at the death of her husband yep. and, and yeah, her daughter yeah. yeah yeah i haven't read the book about her daughter dying <laughs> which is called blue nights um there's a book called the year of magical thinking yeah which she wrote that was about. amazing about the death of her husband yeah. uh i thought that was a great book the daughter one for some reason i just felt like oh man i just don't know if i can go there it just seems like another layer of 
pain that would be hard to um, hard to read about. But anyway, it was a good it was a good doco. Now we're going to have to wrap up. Have you seen any okay. other films? Um, yeah, I saw a documentary called Step, which is about a um, American school and a, um, a group of black students who are um, kind of cheerleaders, basically. This oh, yeah. thing called stepping, which involves lots of clapping and cheering and whatever. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's um, a great little film. I really liked it. Um, just sure. about how, you know, a, um, a, essentially a dance group can kind of bring kids together and change lives. Sorry, I'm giving it a very, does, you know, it, does, I liked it. it was does good. anyone hook up with Sea Monster? You know? Oh, my God. Um, but I just was struck by a second ago when you were talking about uh, Joan Didion and, and like watching writers perform. Mm. It is um, – it always seems like a, just a, a lucky dip lottery when you find a writer who's also oh. an incredibly physically compelling person. Yeah. And I was thinking about this recently when I was um, on the Chat 10 – Facebook group and somebody posted the video of Maya Angelou performing that was amazing rise and I was showing it to my daughter who was immediately just kind of drawn to it because of her persona but Mm. also just the way that she brought those words alive that were kind of you know amazing words anyway yeah anyway yeah have a look at that it'll be good Put the links on the website, chat10looks3.com. Follow us on Twitter at chat10looks3. Join our Facebook group. Brenda. (laughs) (laughs) Brenda will put the links up because she's awesome. (laughs) All right. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye.